0: pray. Lord God, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, my Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So today begins Advent, and because the meaning of Advent has been lost in much of our culture. I thought it'd be good just to do a brief, brief summary of what Advent actually is and what it means. So Advent means coming or arrival. And it is a tradition, by the way, that started around 1,600 years ago in the church. It's not mandated by Scripture. It is a tradition. But it is a season that is marked with anticipation, expectation, longing and waiting. Not only for the birth of Jesus cuz advent isn't just about having Jesus come, right? As as a baby, it is about his second coming as well. So advent actually ties in the past, the present and the future. This is the season of Advent. Now, the color of Advent is purple. It is purple because it is a royal color and speaks about Christ the King, which is what we just had last Sunday, right? Christ the King. So, we have that Advent color of purple. We also, as you know, have Advent candles, The use of Advent candles on a wreath started before the Reformation in Germany. And we have the colors. We have purple, as that's the main color for Advent. But we also have this pink candle, too. It is for Gaudette Sunday. Gaudette Sunday? What does that mean? It is Latin for rejoice. And the, uh, the reading is often from Philippians chapter 4, which is rejoice, the Lord is at hand. We also have the white candle, which is the Christ candle, that's lit on Christmas Eve and goes through January 5th. So, that's just a little bit about Advent. There are themes that are not mandated. You can have a variety of themes. Our themes this year are hope, preparation, joy, and assurance. We're starting with hope because truly Advent is a season of hope. Right? We take a look at everything that's going on in this world. And our leaders are not talking about hope, are they? They are talking about despair and darkness i mean the news is filled with that but we're talking about hope and the hope that we're talking about is not just a wishful a wish about something that we think might happen the hope that we have as followers of Christ is a certain or assured trust in an outcome the hope that we have is grounded in who Christ Jesus is how important is this hope in a world of darkness well you know when people don't have hope all they have is despair and even death but with Christ Jesus we have light and life eternal, a certain sure hope. Peter knew how important this was, and he wrote to all of the Christians who were dispersed, in essence, behind enemy lines, and under true trial and tribulation, and he said, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, as followers of Christ, we live not only with a present victory, but a future hope that is imperishable and given to us by the very grace of God in Christ Jesus. Advent is a season of hope in which there is light in the midst of darkness, where life is proclaimed in the midst of death. It is the assurance of a future for those who think they have no more future. So let us set our hope firmly on Christ Jesus, the light of the world. We are going to be in Isaiah, and our reading from Isaiah, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint heart, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You see, during the time of Isaiah, it was, to put it mildly, a time of tumult. There were kings who came and went. There were wars. At this time in which Isaiah is writing in chapter 61, they are in captivity. By the way, doesn't this sound kind of familiar to what's going on today? 2,700 years ago, Isaiah wrote this. And yet today we find some of the same things. And we look to the news and we see... Brokenheartedness. We see mourning. We see people who've been captured. It's very real and personal, isn't it? And that's what I want you to understand. We're reading from Isaiah, but it's not just a history lesson. These are real people with real emotions who truly are brokenhearted or in captivity. Prison, who are mourning, just as today. So we look to the past, we see the present, and we look to the future. All of our hope in Christ Jesus. And so there are four things we're going to cover today. We are going to cover the brokenhearted, the captives, and in prison, those two are going to be together, and then mourning. So let's first start with the brokenhearted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now this word brokenhearted it means deep deep despair an emotional crying out. I mean when we talk about brokenhearted it is such a degree that for some people They can't even cry anymore because they've been cried out. There's fatigue so great that all you can do is just sit because you are crushed emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. This often happens with the passing of a loved one, but it can happen, as you know, through other circumstances in life. And Jesus gives a promise. The promise is that he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You see, in Christ Jesus, with God, he is close to us. We have promises. It says from Psalm 34, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. But how? How does he do that? How does he take care of the brokenhearted? Well, it's certainly not with platitudes, is it? What's a platitude? A platitude is, there, there, everything will be better. Just look to the future. I mean, you've heard those, and I'm sure somebody in the best intentions has said something like that to you, but it's not the words that heal you. So how does Christ come before you? He says, look at my face. Look at the compassion that I have. Look at my heart, which is filled with love and grace and mercy. take my heart let it be yours because i've gone through what you have gone through i too have been broken hearted i too have been crushed you see what does it say What does it say in Isaiah chapter 53? It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You know, in times of brokenheartedness, you don't want somebody who just understands what you're going through, right? People say, I understand what you're going through. You want somebody who actually knows what you're going through. And Christ Jesus knows what you are going through. He was born, suffered, and died for the sin of the world. He knows what it is to take upon all of the brokenness in this world. So first of all, look to Him. And then look to the promises that He gives. Because He came to proclaim good news to the brokenhearted. So, what does it say? You have to understand... He specifically chose this scripture from Isaiah for his first recorded sermon in a synagogue. And he is proclaiming good news to the people. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He came specifically to proclaim good news and to bind up the hearts of the brokenhearted. See, we should take the words of Christ Jesus when we're at the lowest and cling tightly to them because these are the words of hope. You know, we hear every Christmas time. What did the angels proclaim to the shepherds? Fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Savior who is Christ the Lord. We look, we hear those words, and we see the promises of God in those words we hear and the promises of Christ Jesus who has said, take heart, I have overcome the world. It's as if Jesus is saying, your heart's broken, take mine. Your heart is emptied. Fill it with mine. My heart has grace. It has love. It has compassion. It has strength for you to carry on. Take heart. I've overcome the world. This is the promise of Christ Jesus. And in Him, we have the promise of everlasting life. The eternal hope that we have. Remember, at the graveside of Lazarus, He was with Martha, and she was brokenhearted. And what did He proclaim to her? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's the promise. Do you hear hope in the promises of Christ Jesus? He came for the brokenhearted. He came for those who are captive and in prison. See, Uh, missed a slide, there we go to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, when we talk about captivity or in prison, we are talking about two different things. We are talking not only physical captivity or physical prison, we are also talking spiritual captivity or spiritually in prison. Let me give you an example here. There's a fellow named Nick Hopefully I said that close. He was born without limbs. He has one small foot-like appendage, but he has no ability to really walk. He cannot care for himself. He cannot take care of his basic needs by himself. And growing up, he suffered depression, loneliness, He even tried to kill himself, which is pretty hard if you have no limbs, to try to kill yourself. He tried to drown himself. But Christ Jesus came into his life, and he found hope. He is now an inspirational, motivational speaker, and he goes around the world proclaiming the good news, the hope in Christ Jesus. Now, I've watched a number of his videos. And uh, in one video, he was speaking to men in Telford State Prison in Texas. He relates that he was going down the hall just saying hello to the prisoners and one prisoner reached through the bars and grabbed him. Now, this is pretty scary because he has no way to do anything because he has no arms. He has no legs. But Nick, Tells about how the man started crying and he said nick go around the world and tell my brothers who are behind bars for life that there is hope he said nick do you see these wardens do you see these guards do you see these staff nick they go home they get to have a cooked meal they get to see their kids but nick i look at their eyes and they don't believe in heaven I look in them, and they don't believe in Jesus. They're not free. He said, Nick, I am more free than they are. Now Nick went on to recount how this man said he knew that there was something greater than the circumstances, the limitations around us. The man told that even though he was behind bars, he knew that when Jesus came for him, he would go home, and he would be fully free. And not only was that man behind bars, but that ministry was behind bars. He was a pastor, and he proclaimed hope and freedom to those who were in prison. You see, you too might be experiencing being in captivity or prison. You might know friends who are in captive or in prison. But Christ Jesus came for this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What is the year of the Lord's favor? Well, it's, a, it's the year of jubilee. And in the year of jubilee what you would have is that it was more than just a pardon. It was that all debt was wiped out. You were truly free from all and every single debt that you had. That was the year of the Lord's Jubilee. Now, the year of the Lord's Jubilee is different than a pardon. A pardon we normally have is that, yes, you have been set free, you have paid your dues, but you're still guilty, right? That's a pardon. You're still guilty. Well, we're going to just let you be free. Many people believe that they might have been pardoned by God, but they are still in captivity because they don't understand that they have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. They have been completely forgiven in Christ Jesus I remember there were, in my previous church there was a a younger man who came to me and he was so convicted by something that he said as a child that he just said something that was against God as a child and he carried around that guilt for years and it was he had repented of it, but he had never received the forgiveness. And so I had to proclaim to him that he is forgiven. You see, each and every week we do an absolution, right? We confess our sins and then I say in Christ Jesus you are forgiven. And that is true. You are forgiven. You have no more guilt. You don't have to carry around the chains that have been binding you. You have been freed from that. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus and you have been forgiven. You have to understand that. And that's why every week We will confess our sins and every week you will hear the absolution that you are forgiven. And every week we come to the Lord's Supper and we receive that forgiveness of sin. Why do we need to hear it again and again? Because we don't believe it. And so each week, and I need it too, we need to hear you are forgiven. You are set free. You see, the gospel announces that Christ has won victory over everything that holds us captive. Jesus said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so this Advent, we celebrate the freedom that we have, the certain freedom, because we have that sure hope in Christ Jesus. So there's the brokenhearted, captives, and in prison, And now mourning. Those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garments of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I know all of you have lost loved ones, some more recently than others, and that there's a time of grieving, of mourning. There's also, just as there was with captivity, the physical aspect, there's also the spiritual aspect too. So for those who are mourning or loss of a loved one, There is also mourning for the state of sin that one is in, or others are in, or our nation is in. You see, when Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He wasn't just talking about disease, or poverty, or sickness, or even persecution. He was also talking about those who mourn for the spiritual state of sin. And you have to understand, for for Isaiah to have the fullness of the meaning, you have to understand how people mourned, whether it was for physical or spiritual. What they did is they were in sackcloth and ashes. They would tear garments, put on a sackcloth, take off shoes or take off a headdress. They might put ashes on their head or even roll in the dust, sit on a heap of ashes refrain from washing or discontinued use of perfume you could tell how someone that someone was in mourning just by their physical appearance now we don't do this as much anymore in america but for a long time you would see people wearing black or black armbands right black armbands for a year because it was a period of mourning So what's the promise, though, for those who are mourning? Well, in our reading from Isaiah, the promise is to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. So rather than hair that is covered in ashes and dirt, the Lord will give a beautiful headdress. Rather than tears of sadness, he will anoint your head with oil. Do you remember the 23rd Psalm? You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And rather than sackcloth, there will be a garment of praise. So what's a garment of praise? Well, if you take a look in Isaiah, just past our reading from today, verse 10, it says this, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. You know that old saying, Clothes make the man, right? So when you put on new clothes, right? Or ladies, you put on a new dress or something, you just feel a little bit more uplifted. You feel renewed a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Here we are giving new robes. Because they go with our new identity in Christ Jesus. Just as we are a new creation in Christ, we are given new robes. And these robes are robes of salvation. It is a gospel proclamation that though you are are covered with sin, you should be whiter than snow, you should be renewed. You shall be clothed with a robe that is woven by the hand of God, that is knitted together through the cross, that is placed upon you with love and grace and mercy, and everything you have had. All the morning shall be covered and you shall be uplifted. This is the robe of righteousness which he gives you, the robe of salvation. And so probably in the morning, in physical morning, right, the a.m., when you get up, if you are in times of grieving, a time of mourning, remember that Christ is there And he has covered you with these robes. He has dressed you in the garment of salvation. And I love that picture that we have up there. Just, it is so compassionate, isn't it? This is Christ Jesus being with you. And then for Israel and for all of us, the time of mourning will be over and praise will begin because salvation has begun. There's a reason Jesus chose this Scripture reading for His first sermon in the synagogue because He was proclaiming good news to the people that day. Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is our promise of hope. It is not that we have to wait until the very end to receive the promises. Today, the Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, Christ Jesus comes to you in your brokenheartedness, in your captivity, in your mourning. Today, and He promises you the good news that you are redeemed, you are loved, You are taken care of. And when you realize that, you know what you have? You have joy. It says this in Isaiah, the last verse from our reading, verse 7. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They have they shall have an everlasting joy. This double portion, right? Do you, you ever have a meal and you knew it was going to be really good and you had your plate and they gave you one portion and, they, and you went, could I have another? And the plate's filled up, right? We get a double portion of joy. That's the promise. That's the hope that we have. Advent truly is a season of hope. It is not mere wishful thinking. And the Christian hope that we have is the confident assurance found in his proclamation of the gospel. It is the hope proclaimed to us in the good news of Jesus Christ. May you be filled with his hope, his promises, this Advent season. Amen.